Welcome to the Cup and Saucy Book Club. I'm Jen. And I'm Zanna. What's in your cup today, Zanna? I'm in the process of trying to recreate my chai blend and decided to brew myself some today to help me remember what all is in it. Uh, the recipe got lost, but no. I have <laughs> scales. I have So I bought these little scales that my son calls drug scales. And with his help, <laughs> as the math whiz, he's going to help me with all the ratios and everything because there's so much in this. There's at least 12 different. Well, actually, no, it might be 11. It's like the KFC of chai, you know, it's yeah. 11 secret <laughs> ingredients. And uh, But I'm, I'm excited to get some more of this back because this is the last of it. <laughs> yeah. This is I the know, last I of have, my chai. I have one cup's worth left. That is all yeah. I have. And well, so, I've started. I've started doing the vanilla-ing of the tea. So it's oh, okay. it starts with a base of vanilla tea. I got some Tahitian vanilla, and it's um, permeating the tea as we speak. It's but, really, really delicious. Yeah. How about you? What are you drinking today, Jen? I am drinking a Kimum Maofeng uh, from Tea Fountain in Mill Valley, and. This is a uh, lovely little shop that unfortunately was a victim of the pandemic. And so mm. this is this is the last this is the last of this tea and I have been saving it for very special occasions. Yeah, apparently we've both been saving ours for special occasions yeah, because this is the last of my chai blend and the last of your your fancy my tea. fancy tea. Yes, and yep. this is this is a very special occasion. Because our guest today is a screenwriter, lifelong actor, and audiobook narrator of over 500 titles. She's won numerous awards, including Audible's Narrator of the Year and the Best Female Narrator, Audie. Audiophile Magazine has given her its Lifetime Achievement Award, A Golden Voice. Her performance of her own debut novel, the international bestseller My Oxford Year, garnered a Sovis Award. And her last novel, Thank You for Listening, was Best of 2022 pick at Amazon, Audible, and NPR, as well as a Goodreads Choice nominee. Now, her this current project, one. yes, her current project is the Audio First series Casanova LLC. It's the first project from her audio publishing company and distribution channel that she founded this year called Audiobrary. She is also a Grammy-nominated audiobook director, a former writing tutor, a half-decent amateur baker, she says, and a certified tea sommelier, which impresses us to no end. And we are so excited to have her. It might be why we broke out the fancy teas. <laughs> yeah, that's why we broke out the fancy teas for this. Julia uh, Wellen, we are thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. It was so hard not to say anything while you were talking about your tea picks because they're so good. <laughs> well, it's just so elevated. It's, oh, it would wonderful. be a crime against this podcast if we didn't start out by asking you what's in your cup. Well, okay. So I have a very disappointing answer to this question because um, <laughs> right now it's still morning where I am. And so I'm still on my like, you know, Pike Place roast Keurig here. <laughs> okay. Uh, just, okay. I just needed the lead. But uh, at this point afterwards, I have a, I'm still, I'll still be in sort of breakfast mode. And there's a, uh, a company in England called Jeeves and Jericho, and they mm -hmm. have a particular Oxford blend, it's called. And it's the, Ooh. it's their morning, their kind of just English oh, breakfast yum. tea. Oh, that sounds amazing. And it is delicious. And uh, it puts me right right there. So. Nice. Oh, and we Back will be uh, add add to cart right now. <laughs> yes, right? Add to it. Nice. check them out. They're pretty amazing. 
they have a chai too, which I haven't tried, but your mm. Zana, your whole chai journey is uh, yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I went to a chai blending class last year and blended this, and it was like my first try. Like they, she gave us a couple of chances to try blending it. This was my first try, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so good!" Yeah. And I had it written down, but for some reason, it didn't get it got lost. So all I have is what was left, and so I've been painstakingly trying to rediscover what it is. Right, like deconstruct what you have left. Right, yeah. Yeah. right. I don't have a mass spectrometer, but other than that, you know. <laughs> the drug scale. The drug scale. Will the drug scales are going to have yeah. to work. The yeah. Breaking Bad Kitchen is going to have yeah. to do it. Right. <laughs> right. So, as a tea sommelier, that means that you have studied tea and tea pairings with food. Where did you Where did you study this? So this was something that I did at least ten years ago now. So I always I'm always afraid someone's going to ask me something very very important and I'm going <laughs> to not have the right answer. Um, so I discovered that this was even a thing uh, for my birthday. I think it was my 25th birthday, and I think I was in the Drake Hotel in Chicago and doing an afternoon tea, as I like to do. And I saw this guy who was not quite a maitre d' and not quite a GM. He was just kind of going from table to table explaining everything. And I pulled him aside, and I said, I'm sorry, what do you, like, what do, you do? And he said, I'm the house tea master. I'm the tea sommelier. And he designs the tea menu. He teaches the staff how to properly prepare it. And I'd come back from England and realized that we just do tea so atrociously in this country. Oh, it's so bad. Um, it's so I mean, bad. It's absurd. And it, it, Don't get so me started I, on microwaving water. I mean, <laughs> uh, and you ask for tea and they give you the components. It's like going, you, you get like a, an Ikea, a hot water a in a bag. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I originally I, I he went through like an extensive there's a two-year training process you go to Sri Lanka it's a big thing that's a different level I at the time now there's more options but at the time there was kind of one tea master doing uh, an online like one-on-one -on -one tutoring and he would send the package like all of the tea samples and teach you all about tea and there was plenty there were books and it was a whole course and so it was um at the time I thought I wanted to just literally teach people how to make tea. My company was called The Tea Tutor, and I was going into restaurants, um, hotels, and I could design menus, but I would also mainly just teach the staff like proper um, preparation for different types of teas. And now, I then audiobooks took off, and I just was like, I, don't, I didn't want to start keep going with the company. Um, but I, uh, I now I get back to it occasionally because for both of my books, I've done blends like for promotion that I send oh, along with oh. advanced copies so I like design specific blends to match the book and that's been that's been really fun uh, so I so dust it off when I when I need to but um yeah woefully yeah. out of practice we'll be right. sending you our, uh, our mailing addresses after I that. know well that, <laughs> trust <laughs> me I logged that I, was, uh, I, will definitely do it. I think I still have some I'd have to blend the Oxford one up again but I'm pretty sure I still have um some thank you for listening which is based nice. on the last word cocktail okay Ooh. oh good oh Key lime nice kind of citrus notes oh very nice in it. Yeah. oh nice 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 yeah well we'll have to send you some of the cup and saucy chai blend too yeah. absolutely absolutely i see a branding opportunity i hope you're calling I do. it the cup yeah. and saucy chai blend that, yes. that's its name yeah yep that is <laughs> the name and she's got these beautiful little 
um, sampler tins that have our logo on them and everything. So oh, thank you. yeah, we've we we tested out lots of merch and this is this is the thing it's the that, only one that's really sticking yeah <laughs> well let me be honest i mean that's the thing that i kind of there is just a venn diagram between like readers and key yeah. people and oh, i know yeah it's, the same, yeah it's essentially the same genus of right. person um yeah. so i've i've always found that that works well yeah yeah <laughs> definitely and uh i you know you mentioned thank you for listening i I think that 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 should be required listening for anyone who calls himself a fan of audiobooks just to start mm-hmm. off. Oh, but thank you. Um, it's a masterclass in audio production. Well, and um, and because it's a solo narration that doesn't feel like a solo narration. Um, you know, there's the characters are distinct. They're they're both richly drawn and they're richly voiced. We're going to um, just lavish compliments all over you for oh, that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but it gave birth to your latest project, Casanova mm-hmm. LLC. Can you explain to those who have not yet listened to Thank You for Listening how those two are connected? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I was writing Thank You for Listening, I realized that this is the setup for Thank You for Listening, just for people who are uninitiated, is that one, is you have two audiobook narrators co-narrating a romance novel or a romance series technically but they're both recording under aliases and so they don't actually know who the other person is but through their correspondence and work together on this project they start to they catch some feels and um and when I was outlining this and figuring out how I was going to tell the story I knew there had to be like what was the project that they were recording together and what I wanted to do was establish that the author was sort of this romance icon, like in my head, it was sort of like Judith McNaught, if she'd been as prolific as Nora Roberts, that kind mm-hmm. of. Oh, right. okay. And like a very, um, says it like she means it. She was sort of this icon who had just died and she wanted these two narrators to do this specific project. And that's kind of all I knew. But for the purposes of figuring out what that story would be, I, I set myself the task of just coming up with, like, what's the most ridiculous romance novel premise you can come up with? Because <laughs> it was it's a rom-com, and I wanted it to be funny, and I wanted it to be so absurd that it gave them something to kind of laugh at and bond over. And what I came up with, and I don't remember how, I don't remember how drunk I was, I don't remember any of the origin story here, so that means probably really drunk, was a second chance romance with a gigolo descended from Casanova (laughs) and um it started out as this just absolutely absurd idea that as I got further into developing it I just it wouldn't let me go there was just too many there were too many things that were interesting about that story to me and then the challenge of being like how would this iconic romance novelist have presented this absolutely ridiculous story in the way that they all they all do, they take these absurd premises that you know um, stretch credulity, and then they make us completely buy in and fall yeah. in love with these characters. And it suddenly is very grounded and very real and very affecting. And I kind of liked the idea of that challenge for myself. So that's how Casanova LLC came to be. Julie was kind enough to give us to send us a. Uh, advanced copy of the manuscript and uh, the audio episodes 
because mm-hmm. it's not one audiobook it's it's a few episodes uh, and so we had a chance to uh, listen and read this and you, uh, our listeners you are all gonna love it it's, yeah it's you're gonna wonderful. love it it's and it's uh, really well done it's really well narrated it's, it's sort of magical I think our both of our favorite characters though is is the uncle. Is the uncle. He's yeah. my favorite character too. He's yeah. my favorite yeah. character I've ever written. So, <laughs> and he's a wonderful character, and the narration for him is phenomenal. It's just it it's the right the right choice. It was so. This is where right... I jump in and I say I should probably yeah. explain the cast. So um, yes, please do. In thank you yes. for listening. The idea was that it was this dual narration, except for. Mm-hmm the sex scene where they did it duet which like actually doesn't happen but I made that work right thank you for listening right. so when I'm thinking how I was actually going to do this I wanted to do it duet because um I just I wanted a stab at doing what I thought would be a good duet I, I wanted to do mm-hmm. that once I developed the other main character which is the uncle who in the again the thank you for listening universe um the character, the the romance novelist who wrote Casanova LLC, also we find out happens to be the aunt of spoiler alert, yeah, of <laughs> the um, the male narrator, right. the Brock McKnight character, and so she wanted him to do this project for a very specific reason. Once I started developing this uncle character, I realized that he sort of served the purpose of being June French on the page, like an avatar for June French. And I just loved having the freedom to have a different character that could kind of channel what she would want to say to her nephew um, Mm -hmm. if, if she'd had the opportunity to. And in doing that, I, there was literally no one else except Eduardo Ballerini um, mm-hmm. who is a very good friend of mine and astonishingly talented. And if you've listened to Beautiful Ruins, which was one of the first books he did, actually, um, Jess Walter's book, it's like one of my favorites. But he plays like 12 different old Italian men. Uh-huh. Oh, and okay. so as I was even developing this character, I just you was heard like, his voice. it's got to be, yeah, I heard Eduardo yeah, doing yeah. it. And the first time we had a rehearsal and he just came out with Jacopo's voice, I started crying I just... Oh, that's just, exactly, yeah. exactly what I wanted. I can see that. Yeah, because it was really the right, the right choice for sure. And and it's it's such a great, it's such a great character because it's. So I'm a big fan of Wes Anderson films, and mm. he is like every quirky Wes Anderson character all rolled yeah. all rolled up into a little Italian guy. Um, mm. You know, it's just it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and he is. Um, I was reminded of the movies of the 30s when they would have, you know, the character actors who would be working for the studios and they would just, and so you had like the um, Edward Everett Hortons and the Eric Bloors and, you know, those kind of, yeah. those kind of guys. He's that too. Mm-hmm. And, and just, it made me, he made me so happy through every time he was like, oh, yay, the uncle is back. <laughs> Yes, I agree. Yes. I agree. There's like one episode yeah. he's not in, and I'm like, that was a fail. Why did I do that? <laughs> and the now, I have to, I do have to ask though, um, you had done the Oxford Year, and thank you for listening. As uh, both solo narrations, what made you decide to then do a multicast 
for Casanova LLC? I really think it came down to the fact that that's sort of the way it was established and thank you for listening. And um, it also, it's unlike thank you for listening, which was third person. These are dual first person yeah. points sure. of view. And sure. so it felt I, I could legitimize it and I could rationalize doing it that way. And I wanted to play around. Like, I don't get yeah. to... You know, I've never done that. I've I've also never really done duet. I've only done a couple of um, little pieces of other people's projects. But I I wanted to I wanted to do it. I wanted to play. I don't get to. I miss acting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and your and your choice for uh, the Brock McKnight uh, character. Um, who well who would be voiced no, by Brock McKnight? Yeah, narrated yes, by Brock Alessandro. McKnight. As yeah, Brock it's Alessandro as as to be portrayed by yeah, yeah, it is totally Inception. <laughs> yeah, it's, this, yeah, this all gets very meta if you think about it too much. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> but yes, the perfect choice, yeah, especially since they this. are so so well analogued to their to their yeah, actors so who play was, them. <laughs> well, this came down to so yeah, Sebastian York. It was always going to be Sebastian York, and that's because. Yes. Um, Sebi is uh, a friend of mine and was actually one of the first narrators I sent thank you to mm-hmm. for notes oh. because mm-hmm. I said, you know, I know this world. I live in this world. Um, I had certainly, it, I had done a lot of romance, but then I had sort of stopped. And so I wanted to just make sure I didn't have spinach in my teeth. And especially from the male narrator perspective, I mean, I'm friends with these guys and I, I understand their journey, but from afar. And I sent it to him and, and he gave me his blessing and, you know, just, just like, this was great. And, and I think you nailed it. And, and at that time I was thinking I had, even before that, God, even before I sent him the manuscript, when I was outlining it, I thought I was going to have a section that broke away into the, the males, um, the main character, the hero's point of view. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. had asked him, if I do that, will you do that with me? Um, can I get you to do that? And it's not that Brock McKnight was based on him. And no, I always, no. I have, feel like I have to say that right. a million times. Yeah, it wasn't we, based right. on we have anyone. to make that very specifically, clear. Specifically, specifically yeah. did not you, do you, anything. Uh, you outlined that quite clearly. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. I tried. Um, because it was very intentional not to do that. That said, I accidentally um, created a character that people, <laughs> sorry, this is a sidebar. But, you know, I knew people would ask, is this, is this Sebastian? Is this Teddy? Is this Joe? Is this? I knew they would have that. And I yeah, had right. my answers ready to be like, no, absolutely not. And then I would get, is this Gary Furlong? And I went, that is so random. Um, um, why yeah. are you asking me that? Well, I didn't realize that Gary is Irish. Ah. Oh. And his narr- he does his narration as an American. And so we finally connected at Book Bonanza last year. And I just went up to him and I was like, I am so sorry that I like accidentally stole wrote you your entire identity. <laughs> like, page. I'm so sorry. So whoops. do you also have an aunt that was a romance? Member? I know. My God. Um, so anyway, going back to so I, I but at this point, I told I told Sebastian, I said, at this point, I think people are going to no longer believe me when I say that this wasn't based on you. So we just need to accept that and move on. But um, really, truly wasn't. And he just ended up being so right for Alessandro. And I, I wouldn't have wanted to. I mean, that was him from the beginning. Always. Yeah. Well, and I 
do have to say, as um, the primary audiobook listener of the two of us, uh, I I went there initially, even though um, and but I will I will say it's not him, it's not him, it's not him, it's not it's not Joe, it's not Teddy, it's not any of them. This is this is an entirely different character um, because it it actually became very clear once you got into a little bit more of his motivations and certainly uh for alessandro it is not um it is not anybody uh he is his own definitive character which i'm feeling like i'm very excited i I, this is going to be my first book where i really hope people can really truly believe that this is not autobiographical (laughs) right (laughs) my first two books i have had to just keep saying fiction 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 and this one i feel like i maybe won't have to work so hard i don't think you yeah i mean i think it's (laughs) what's what's weird and interesting to me is that listening to thank you for listening i can't imagine any other person playing brock but you Mm -hmm. um even i can't even see it as a as a sebastian york but he's perfect as Alessandro. Yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting that you're like, you are that voice for me for Brock. Right. But then, right. but then, yeah, it's, he would, well, he makes sense for Alessandro, but you made much more sense for Brock. We had a very <laughs> funny moment when we were recording um, the scene in Casanova that exists in Thank You for Listening, which is the consummation scene and, or parts of it. And when we were, recording it I had to just take a minute because I I was like I've done this I had this weird sense of deja vu right and then I was like no but you're someone else is (laughs) now doing this sorry I don't mean to step on your line yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's like somebody making noises when they're supposed to be shooting (laughs) it's very very weird yeah and and but it must have been nice to get that Back on the stage and and yeah, so you're having you're having you're having all of this. So how then did you record it? Is it record was it recorded as uh, duets typically are, where it's you know separate audio files, uh, well separate audio files and then put together, or did you actually meet together? you know, on a Zoom call or Yes, we like did. That. I with this I wasn't gonna mess around with this. Um we I've done enough of those duets where you're just like why re- recording the lines wild and someone is putting them together. And with this specifically because once I really saw the book take shape and I understood what I had, I mean Sebastian was the first person who said to me, like, really what it is is erotic fiction that happens to have an H E A. And yes. I I take that I think he's right in that it's so small. It's kind of like a portrait of a marriage, kind of like very just character driven three days with two people, sometimes three in a room. And that is going to, these scenes are long. They're longer than I would have ever written for a normal book, quote unquote. Um, And that needs, it should be like a play. That's the way I was sort of seeing it. So once I once it took shape and I saw that, there was no way that it wouldn't that it would work without being live with someone listening and responding. Um, so what we did is we did it on Zoom, um, and then both all of us recording separately on our separate rigs, but always live. And uh, this came also from I mean you know in a perfect world 
we would have all been in the same studio. Um, but this this was adequate. Eduardo and I had done last year uh, Cormac McCarthy's last novel, Stella Maris, together. And that was written entirely in dialogue as a series of like seven sessions between a woman who has committed herself and her therapist. Mm-hmm. And wow. when that came up, we both, it was like, we could do this, you know, in Zooming. And we said, no, 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 we need to be in studio together. And so Eduardo and I had had this kind of experience of doing it in a studio. And while that was right for that particular project with this one, we felt mm-hmm. we could do this, you know, just remotely as long as it was live. Yeah. Right. Right. And one of the performers that we haven't mentioned, but who is also in this is Jonathan McLean, who has been a previous partner of yours. I just did his book that he co-wrote with J.A. Huss, Robro. Ah, I okay. just did that this summer. Okay. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, Jonathan was just, again, in terms of what I knew, this, this, the, the thing I told, the note I gave the cast was, I want this to feel like we're doing it on camera. And if we need to dial up, we will. But I want on camera level performances. And with uh, Jonathan, I just know him from years and years and years in Hollywood. And I know who he is as an actor. And I knew he could come in and make this absolutely reprehensible character somehow also charming. He does asshole well. He yeah. really does. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. really does. He he basically, I mean, I'm sure he's a wonderful, lovely person, yeah. but he definitely had that sort of um, the very punchable man yes. sound to him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. And I knew I could get, I knew if I just said, yeah. do that, he would do it and he did it oh, and yeah. he nailed it. Yeah. He nailed it. <laughs> and, you know, these, uh, this is written, meant to be, initially was, you know, meant to be a, a funny rom-com thing, but there's, there feels in there. There's a lot of times oh, where yeah. I was going, where I was reading through this and going, Claire, oh, you're breaking his heart. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, and and just getting into the the depth of these characters. And so that must be a, a great thing to say, even though all of this was entirely by accident, as you say at the very beginning, this yeah, was a, this forward, was yeah. this is started out as a joke, but that you got a chance to sort of but we of... caught feels but that, yeah, I caught, caught feels, feels. <clears throat> and that's yeah, what didn't let yeah. me go about it is I, I and it was something yeah. I think there was something alluring about it's kind of like the guy that you know is troubled but you want to see if you can fix them like there was something about this that was like this is so ridiculous I kind of like the challenge and um for me I think what became you know my other books are very jokey very funny this is not that and again I think I have a little cover with like the June French co-authorship byline where like I to me this just became a really intricate character study and what that came out of is I did a kind of bad first draft of it where I just like wrote it as if I were just writing it to to spec a little bit like what would be the like worst version of this and what just kept coming out of this was the same territory that intrigued me and thank you for listening which is what does it do to a man to be every woman's fantasy, but no one knows who you are, who you really are? And I wasn't done exploring that, I guess. And this gave me some territory to do that. I, I loved in the foreword to this what you what you 
relayed that your husband said about this. Of, yeah. Why are you afraid to make this good? Yeah. Which is and very... that's that spoke to me in so many ways because this is yeah, the, this same. is the kind of conversation I have with my therapist too. <laughs> so it's like, why are you afraid to be good at things? Yes, no, and he. I mean, I had him. He's a brilliant um, acting coach, actually, and so I asked him to direct this, and I think that that's part of it too. Where I just I. I said, you've always had, like, honestly, a stronger vision for this mm-hmm, than yeah. I did. And so anytime I get self-limiting or I say, well, that's just, you know, I, you know we were not going to do that. That's too much. Meh. That's too much. Just, you know, we don't need to go that far. He would just be like, No, nope, let's go there. Yeah. Why? Let's, yeah. yeah. And awesome. even even though he was directing this, you, it, it sounds like you put in a lot of, here's what I am looking for. Here's what I uh, want it to be. And that's sure. also director slash producer. Uh, is that what led you to create Audiobrary? Yeah. So um, these was the, they were two independent things, the company and the book, until they suddenly weren't. And what had been building in me for the last few years was a kind of frustration with the state of the industry, especially as it pertains to narrators, in that narrators don't get royalties. And at this point, there's no world in which, I mean, I tried asking nicely. <laughs> like, yeah, right. There's no world in which a corporate entity is going to say, oh, you're right. You're right. That would be the right thing to do. Um, so let us cut you a check. Corporations are notoriously no. bad at that. No. <laughs> yeah. um, and so for me, this has just been a, this has been like the thorn in my side for years. And it, it was pushing me out of the industry. I did not want to keep participating in this because for me to come into this booth and be as vulnerable as I need to be, and be as committed as I need to be, I need to feel like I'm not being exploited. And um, I was having a really hard time at a certain point getting there. And um, so there was like that problem, which I thought was a totally separate problem and and frankly unfixable. Uh, And then there was this book that I was starting to write. And literally where they connected in my brain was I realized that I didn't know how to distribute Casanova LLC the way I wanted to, which was as an episodic. Now that's only going to take place for seven or eight weeks and then it'll be a book. But in that meantime, I wanted to be able to drop episodes. I am offering though, um, because I've had a lot of feedback from particularly romance listeners who want to binge it. So I'm doing like a kind of podcast model thing where for an upcharge, you can just get all of them on Valentine's Day. Fine. But uh, yeah, the original problem was how am I going to distribute this episodic thing while still doing it myself and keeping it myself? Like, do I have to put it out as a podcast? Like people, how are we going to do that? What's the, what are, what's the structure for something like that? And so it kind of all coalesced over the summer where I thought, oh, I know. I need to build a direct-to-consumer platform with a delivery mechanism, like an app, that will keep the files safe, you know, keep them secure. Um, And it would allow me to also do other projects that are in this liminal space that don't necessarily have, aren't a good fit for anything else. Um, And it'll help me change the compensation structure as well, for both authors and for narrators. and, you know, it's a big, it's a big experiment. It's a big gamble, but I really believe like fundamentally, it's one of those things where you kind of, you know, when you're starting anything, any project, you need to know why you're doing it. And 
my why here, my mission is like so clear. It's the clearest it's ever been for anything. And I've just been, I've just been following that straight through and seeing where it goes. So because you do have uh, some, uh, some titles on Audible that are coming out um, that mm-hmm. are been projects that you've worked on, but you are looking to put more on Audiobrary and yeah, yeah. So this is all when we literally just just launched. It's a it's a work in progress. Casanova will kick it off. There's a couple of other projects that are well underway and in the works and will be coming out this spring. Um, but then I'm also working on direct distribution agreements with traditional publishers. So I'm not turning my back in any way on traditional publishing. I'm still working for them. Right. Um, kind of in good faith. Just looking at it through a different window. I'm looking at it through a different, yeah. and then trying to also starting with me, right? Because that's the, the, you know, that's the easiest point of access for people. But ultimately what I want this to be is a place where, um, it can be an alternative where people, when you when you buy from Audiobrary, you know that the narrator is getting something for that. Yeah. And so that's not just me; that's everybody. And I I want to, you know, further fill that out. That's the that's the goal, obviously. And then all of our royalties will also go into our union contributions, so that you know, because here's the thing. I mean, sorry to get like wonky about this, but the thing that has always just fired me up is I, I've been Preach, working sister. on I've been working on camera <laughs> yeah. since I was nine. I've had my SAG card yeah. since I was nine years old and I still get residuals from things I did when I was twelve. And there were lean years when I was in college and I wasn't working at all. Um I was still making enough money in residuals to get my health insurance. And what is very difficult to watch is you have people with this prolific, prodigious output narrators are turning out, you know, 50, 60, 70 books a year. They're refreshing the algorithm more than authors who are doing a book a year. And they're bringing in audience for that author who, you know, their point of discoverability is so much higher than your average author because they just have more, their, their, their networks are larger. People are listening to them across categories. They're finding books through them. So while all of this is going on, God forbid something happens to that narrator. I mean, I knew a narrator who ended up with throat cancer and suddenly couldn't record, and yet somehow all of the books that they've recorded in their life, people are still making money on, but they're not. And I just (laughs) get very fired up about this, but this is the thing where if we can start building the structure now so that down the road, five years, ten years, there's passive income coming in for people who are heading towards retirement who are going to age out of this who's frankly I mean my body is broken down by this job like I'm having a hard time doing the hours I used to do in the booth you know there's we need to reinvent the system this is not working yeah it's not fair and and oh you are absolutely this is the right platform to go to to take that uh because we we have this discussion with narrators a lot um, mm-hmm. And we have our own opinions, uh, strongly held opinions about the same thing. Um, also, because this this is a potential future that looks brighter than, well, let's just let AI do all the talking. Right. For I mean, all that's the, the and know? to me, it's like I don't. I mean, that's a separate. That's a completely separate business, as far as I'm concerned. That is a completely separate product. I'm more concerned about what we're doing for human storytelling. What system are we going to build that makes that sustainable 
Um, because if we're going to burn it all down, let's rebuild it in the image we want to see. I just, uh, to me, that's, that's the only part of it that I'm interested in personally. I just, I'm, people are what fire me up. So, and I'm not alone in that. And I don't think we're going away. Um, I'm not doomsday in that perspective. I don't, I mean, when electricity happened, people still bought candles, like, you know, so I, I just, uh. I'm more interested in how can we fix this and make it more sustainable moving forward because it's not right now. We're at a tipping point. Yeah. Yeah. And so. we are, count us in. We're on board. For <laughs> yeah. this. Thank we, you. We're very we supportive are, of this. Yeah. You we know, are. And this is, I, I've, I've been this. very, I've been very um, buoyed by that response. I think that, you know, it's a messaging thing. It's me being able to go out on podcasts like this and explain what it is I'm really trying to do because I have the lift of trying to get people to go to a different website and download yet another app and you know trust me in this and it's like I it's a big it's a big I didn't want to do it like yeah (laughs) I just couldn't this is the best way that I figured out how to do it and I need people's grace and kind of understanding while we're trying to figure this out and it's going to be slow growth um because I'm you know, trying not to um, expand too fast or take money I shouldn't take or things like that. So we're just going to, we're going to just, it's going to be slow and steady, but hopefully also creatively fulfilling and righteous. And um, that's, that's the goal. And in the meantime, I'm hope, I hope that people enjoy Casanova. Yes. <laughs> it's like, well, the, it's I like can, the spoonful I can say of sugar. Delightful. Yeah. It is, it yes. is a delightful listen. It it really, it really is. Well, and it's, and it's, and just such a wonderful story for something that started off as a joke. It could have remained a joke, but it it didn't. And, and it really became its own, I think took on its own life. It's interesting. I think those sorts of stories are always interesting um, because it's things that start off as a joke end up being a lot more human a lot of the yeah. time because that's sort of the the joking is a very human response to very point. deep emotions yep. so i mean it's one of those things where if you're feeling something too deeply you're like oh well i'm just making i'm, I'm kidding like yeah it's but no you're are you no no not really no. and what i like about this is that it takes that i'm just kidding and dives deep into the the humanness of it so thank you yeah oh, that was great you. I was looking at the uh, website for the Audis uh, recently, and I saw your picture several times in past uh, at past ceremonies. And so the next one is coming up in March. Um, and so I know that you've attended several of these. What's your uh, What's your favorite part of oh, of it's going to people. those? I mean, yeah. the thing that we you know we we I say this a lot, um, but to me, the Audis are like Brigadoon. You know, yeah. it's like one <laughs> night a year we come alive. And I I love that analogy. But I feel like um we we all, you know, this is a very isolating job. It's very yeah, right. separate. Right. And um when especially, you know, I think when some of us were first starting, if you were in a a an urban center, like if there's the LA narrators and we came up together and we were going into studio so we know each other and we, we established friendships before we all were kind of thrust into home studio situations. But there's a lot of people who have gotten into this job entirely in the era of home studios and, you know, um, remote recording. And so they don't have, they've never really put like a face to the name or um, face to the voice as the case may be. 
And I just love, we are, and I say this with like all humility, but audiobook narrators are just some of the best people. Like, as a group of people, because no one's in it for the money. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we have had you know, a, a lot of guests on the show who are audiobook narrators, and every single one of them are friends of the show. Yeah, they're performers, they're literate, they're like everything I like about people. They're smart, they're together fun, in one they're group. just, yes. yeah. yeah. And, um, and so, you know, we just have, we have a great time. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. to me what the audios are. They're the moments to connect. And it always goes too fast and there's always too many people and you don't get enough time with everyone, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, but it's like but a reunion. That's what it's for. Yes. But not, reunion. but not a, not a sucky reunion. No, yeah. no. If anything, <laughs> we're all sitting there in the ceremony just being like, we want to get back to the want to go hang out. I want to go. Yeah. I, I want to go back to the the cocktail yeah. party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Congratulations, everyone. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's good go. job. Okay. Good job. Let's yeah. go hang out. <laughs> yeah. Let's grab a drink and go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yes, the audiobook community, uh, the narrators have all we, all of the ones that we have talked to have just been such wonderful people. And you are absolutely, definitely included in this group. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Julia, for being on the show today. This has been so Oh, magical. you both. Thank you so much for having me and yeah, for giving me space wonderful. to explain both of these things. Because it does, yes. I find that it does actually take about this long. It takes about the length of a podcast episode to explain what the hell it is <laughs> I'm trying to do. So um, I really appreciate the space. You can find Julia on Instagram and links to everything that we talked about today can be found in the show notes for this episode on our website, cupandsaucybooks.com. Follow us on social media and wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing and leave us a review. We're on Instagram and TikTok as at Cup and Saucy Books. Thank you for joining us for the Cup and Saucy Book Club. Join us next week for our review of another book I made Xana read or more likely, listen to. And definitely a few tangents. Happy reading. Cheers. Cheers.